Can you hear me now? Oh, I can hear me now. Okay. Good morning. Good to see you all. Um, Chris brought up, you know, some very disturbing events going on in our country. And it's easy for us as the church to kind of look at that and go to a um, feeling like grasshoppers in the sight of some of the things that are happening in our country. But I'm wondering if this is one of those things that God wants to use us to do a total turnaround, that this could be a moment where he can show himself powerful in the world. And I'm wondering, um, you know, because we definitely need to pray, that's a for sure. But I think the answer really is in learning how to be the church. I think that the church is the answer to this problem. But we're in a place where we need to learn how to be the church even more. And I'm wondering if there are some seeds in my message that might address, you know, how can we do that? Because praying is important, but there's also um, just a becoming. How do we move toward being the light in the world in a way, um, for instance, what if we could become so compelling as a community and so contagious as a community that people fled in? What if in becoming who we truly are, um, our lives are so, they just cause people to be hungry and we can offer something of substance and we can speak with substance into many of these things that are going on. So I'm wanting to not be bummed out and discouraged. It's, that's easy to do with everything going on in the world. But what if we were to look at it as an opportunity and a challenge to become who we are meant to be, both individually and as um, the church. So we have been in the book of Acts, and so I kind of wanted to spring out of that. I like to kind of stay in the flow of what the Lord has been speaking to the church. And how long have we been in the book of Acts? A year? A long time. 20 weeks, a long time. Um, but it's such a relevant book. But it's also easy to have just a perspective. You know, that's almost like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could be like the book of Acts? You know, that's kind of the, you know, that was then, but it's not really now kind of thing. Um, but I kind of want to challenge that a little bit. So in becoming um, who we are meant to be, I'm just thinking of Jeremiah um, in Jeremiah 1.10, where Jeremiah is given a, a call, and he's given the words to tear down, overthrow, destroy, and there's one other, um, you know, tear down thing, and then to build and to plant. And part of becoming who we are, there has to be a lot of dismantling before you can really build and plant. Uh, it seems like we get in, even coming into the church world, we pick up a lot of things that aren't necessarily true because we don't really think about them. We just kind of buy them wholesale. And then what happens is we kind of get ourselves, um, you know, bound up. An example of this is when I was first baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I know that that's kind of Christianese, but 
I'm going to go with it anyway for right now. Um, right after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, a couple things happened. One, I was immediately delivered from smoking. I tried for seven years to um, give up that addiction, and no matter what I did, I couldn't do it. But it was almost like I was so full of something else that there wasn't room for that substance. And so if you're struggling with an addiction, um, there is an answer to that. The second thing that happened was about a couple days after that, I began hearing the Lord almost audibly. And what he was saying over and over and over and over again is, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And that really began to change my life because I came from a background that I didn't necessarily feel love. There was a lot of shame. The next thing that happened after that is the voice shifted a little bit. And I began hearing, I would look at somebody and he would tell me, I love them. And then he would start telling me things about them, like what their first name was, um, some circumstances about them. There was one guy I was riding on the bus and I looked at him and I heard the Lord say, I love him. His name is Richard. He has walked away from me, but his mother's praying for him. And I thought, huh. And I'm brand new, baby, baby. And these things. So it's like, I wonder if I'm supposed to do something with that. And I felt kind of like I was. Um, and I'm an introvert, so I don't naturally just walk up to somebody and start talking to them. And I was on the bus. And so um, I developed a lifestyle now of what I call the dump and run word. <laughs> and so um, when you are, when you get a word for somebody that you don't know, and since I was riding the bus, I thought, here's what I'll do. Um, I will share this right before I get off the bus. <laughs> awesome dump and run strategy. So when you are just learning to walk in these things, I highly recommend that. Um, so, um, and I wasn't really sure because this was new, you know, was that my thought was that God's thought, whatever. And so I tried to engage him in conversation, which as an introvert was a little bit challenging anyway. And I usually would stutter, you know, hi, you know, and um, are you you a believer or, or something? I don't even remember what the conversation was, but um, his name was Richard, which freaked me out. And I just said, um, you know, and your mom's praying for you and I hope you come back to him or something really kind of lame. Um, but then bye. And I jumped off the bus. And so life in those early days was a series of these incredibly supernatural experiences, one after the other, after the other, after the other. Um, I can't tell you that I necessarily got, um, you know, I, I don't know. It was just kind of a, a struggle. But the things that he would ask me to do, we get just kind of he'd up the ante. Each time I obeyed, he upped the ante. So that's the risk of obedience. But some of the things that he did through those times was just awesome. But then what happened is I started getting into the church culture and learning God doesn't really do those things anymore. And he stopped, he stopped moving that. And so slowly, 
Well, there were two things that was happening. I was in that culture where he doesn't really move that way anymore. Two, I also um, was very broken. Um, and so I didn't totally have a character base for that level anointing to rest on and be sustained over a long period of time. So um, if you have had God move in you in those ways, and I hope you have, and if you haven't, you will, because you're in this place. Um, but we also need to develop a character base to match the anointing. And so you find yourself in all of these, um, if you have a lot of conflict in your life, um, who doesn't have conflict? See, nobody's raising their hand. Um, you know, trial after trial, because he's building in us a character strong enough to be able to carry um, that kind of anointing so we can be the bread that feeds the world. So, you know, hopefully that that makes some kind of sense. Um, I don't even remember what that point was attached to and. That's okay. I almost feel like um, my messages um, are a parable. That the parable is, is that it's okay to be who you are. It's okay to not have it together. And God can still use you. Amen. So I hope that we can just kind of relax. Oh, I know where I was going with that. The whole dismantling thing. That... Um, not only did I have character that needed to be strengthened and built upon, but I also had to go back to the Lord and ask questions and challenge if what I was learning was him or was it sort of a man-made mythology. And just so you know, we kind of have a lot of those in our churches. So we need to develop a lifestyle of asking questions. You know, in our culture... Uh, we kind of hear that asking questions is rebelling against authority. But that's not really true because asking questions, you're entering into a dialogue. And isn't dialogue and conversation part of relationship and a key part of relationship? And you will be surprised um, what kind of answers you will get when you develop a lifestyle of asking questions. So... So part of um, what I wanted to talk about, too, is from the book of Acts. Acts, to me, is kind of um, a center point in the story, just like, I mean, Jesus, because we see life before Jesus and all the prophecies coming up to Jesus, and then he dies, he resurrects, and then there's life after Jesus. And so the book of Acts, to me, is one of those pivotal books. But there's a lot leading up to Acts, and it's not a new story. It's a continuation of God's story, you know, from the very beginning of time. And I love that, you know, the study of, you know, we say the word history. Well, if you break it down, it's his story, that his story is written um, all through human events and all through the Bible, beginning with Genesis 1-1. And so we, I, I kind of want to set Acts sort of up a little bit, kind of in the flow of history. Because one thing that we need to do is we need to be able to see our lives in the context of that bigger flow of history. Not just, um, you know, a little segment of history. You've heard, like in studying the Bible, that context is everything. 
Well, we also need to see our own lives in context. And so we need to be able to look at how do I fit um, in his overarching story? Because it's really easy to read the Bible and see it kind of out there, but not necessarily see, see that, hey, that's my story. So starting, you know, in Genesis, I'm going to just broad, um, broad stroke this. But starting in Genesis, we see God creating um, man and woman. They are set in a garden to have fellowship with him and also to have dominion over that, that garden. And it was a perfect setup. Of course, they um, disobeyed God. They fell. And so sin entered into the human race. But then right away in Genesis 3.15, the Lord puts into place a plan to reconcile man back to himself. I mean, just boom, already there's a plan in action. And then he calls, um, you know, there's a lot in between that and then in Genesis 12, where now he is going to insert his plan into a country. And so he calls Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And so he calls Abraham out on a faith journey. And through Abraham, he creates a nation. And so, and all through um, the Bible, there's just this thread of his redemption, his redemptive plan. And this is actually part of our own flow. It's not out there. It's, you know, we are part of that. And so then Israel is, or Abraham initially was called um, to be a blessing to all of the nations of the world. He was promised descendants, you know, more than the multitude of the stars of the sky. Um, but God said that he would bless him and that he would also make him a blessing. Okay, quick little note here. We are really good at tuning into the I will bless you part, but we are not so good at and you will be a blessing, which is really, um, you know, that's kind of the guts of it, that we're part, we're called to be part of his redemptive plan. And so then he creates this nation, Israel, um, they have their ups and their downs. God is dealing with them. God is teaching them. They walk with him. They don't walk with him. He sends prophets to bring them back. And um, as far as being a blessing to the world, Israel, um, a little bit or a lot, kind of lived in the I will bless you part. And they saw all of God's promises and every benefits to just him himself. They didn't necessarily get that it was to be for the whole world, that they were the ones that God wanted to use to meet the needs of the whole world. And God even strategically placed them geographically at the intersection of three nations. So it was very natural for people to hear uh, the good news because all of the trade routes would have to go right through Israel. Okay, little side note. He has also strategically placed you exactly where he wants you so you can meet, so you can reveal him to the people he has um, for you to, to reach out to. And there's a nice little scripture in Acts about that too, um, about having an appointed place so you can most know him in time and history, but also, I believe, so you can make him known. So, 
Um, so here we so Israel doesn't um, completely fulfill the call that God has on their life, but He's not done with them. Just read Romans 11. So He hasn't um, forgotten them. But as you know, um, both Judah and Israel, the northern and southern tribes, are carried off, and then things go silent for 400 years until Jesus comes on the scene. And we know the story of Jesus. And then in Acts, where we've been for a number of weeks, um, the church is born and birthed. And really, I think that the book of Acts, it's called the Acts of Apostles, but I think it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it really is God birthing and advancing his church um, through these wonderful acts of the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, we get to the end of, well, we know that Revelation, um, that is coming in the future, but we get to the end of the Acts of Apostles and we enter into sort of the church age. Um, and we don't have sacred writings anymore, but we just we have church history of all of these various moves of the Holy Spirit um, expanding his kingdom and birthing. Of course, in the Middle Ages, things go kind of dark. Thus, it's called the Dark Ages. Um, but here's the thing. Um, every time the Lord births something um, and starts to advance things, A lot of times what happens, and you can probably make a personal application to your life in this, is that then man takes control, and this beautiful move of God that starts, it's like it gets too scary, and so somehow we feel like we have to control it. And so then we come up with all these rules and regulations and everything else, and pretty pretty soon sort of the life of the Spirit is squeezed out of the thing. And... And so that's kind of a note of just the importance of um, staying current in hearing the Lord and how key that is. Um, An example of from my life of kind of walking with God and he's opening these doors. He made a promise to me um, one day in February 1996. He said, I want you to be a pastor. Um. And so, you know, I, it, it felt like a wedding um, or a marriage proposal, actually. It was very sweet. And so what did I do? I immediately tried to work that out in my own, own strength. I know that nobody else has thrown a few Ishmaels out there. Um, and for those of you that don't know the story of Isaac and Ishmael, God gave Abraham a promise of a son. And so Abraham took it upon himself to... To work that out and it didn't work out so well and so um but that's just kind of human nature you know he gives us a word or a promise and then we want to kind of help god out and that just doesn't ever work out so good and then you look at just isaac and ishmael and um we have a lot of conflict to this day because of that one and so you may have a few ishmaels in your life Um, that are kind of contending with the promises, you know, walking out the promises in your life. But that is all a part of um, this process that we're in. So anyway, looking at kind of that that's our story, that I hope that we can feel some ownership. Um, I'm a genealogy buff, and I'm also adopted, and my birth mother never understood 
you know, why I wanted to find my birth family. And I, you know, said to her, because there's such drama, you know, it's the ultimate drama, how, how we each even come to be. If your grandfather got run over by a covered wagon, I'd still be here. You know, think about just how amazing, um, you know, what a miracle it is that we are here. Um, if you go back generation by generation, pretty soon, you know, I don't know, you have like thousands and thousands of great, 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 greats. But if something happened to one of those at any point of time and they didn't have children, you know, you wouldn't be here. So we, we are not just a miracle from a biological standpoint and the chance of that one, but just historically the fact that we are here, we are a miracle and so intentional by our our father god you know that's kind of cool to think about so um you know that story is part of our story and so seeing my story and his story gives me a bigger context of this life that i live and one thing that we can do that will kind of short circuit being able to um understand you know, purpose, my purpose and everything is I will um, not look at the big story. So have you ever tried to, for instance, interpret a passage of scripture and not look at the whole context? And so you are only looking at a part of scripture. And so it appears to say something completely different. Um, well, our, our stories, our personal stories and our story as a church is the same way that we have to see the bigger picture. So back to Acts and church history and everything else. Um, the fact that we are here in this building right now is because God moved on our pastor and gave him a vision. Um, and so, you know, here we are. And so this kind of the fact that we are here is because the Holy Spirit moved on a person gave a vision and a church was birthed and so we are the result of a supernatural transaction between god and a man and here we are so that kind of is cool i hope that um kind of puts you can see how we are a continuation of the flow that started right way back from genesis you know three of we're part of that so that's kind of seeing our story in history in his story now let's look at um, his story in my story his story in your story i love the scripture that talks about we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works um, so that word workmanship, and I know so many of you have heard this before, but I hope there's something a little bit new in it for you. But that word for workmanship is poema. And what does that sound like? Poem. So you are God's poem. Now, I studied literature as part of my college thing. That was my favorite um, topic. And a really good poem, every single word contributes to the whole of that that poem there's not a word that is out of place every word has a part to the whole so there's an art form of learning to read your life because just as we are part of his story 
he, um, it's the other way. He is part of our story. We're part of his story. But learning to read your story through his eyes. And there's, um, that is an art form in itself. But if you are intentional at looking at, you know, where was I born? Um, what are some of the, the joys in my life? What, are some, what have been some of my biggest disappointments? I mean, it all connects to his purpose in your life and you aren't you're going to um miss out on you know some of the context if you don't answer some of those questions um for instance when i um i went through a wilderness experience of 13 years and the end of the wilderness was i began to hear god's voice again And so, and I, because there was just so much discouragement, um, I had very bad arthritis. My hips were falling apart. It was hard to even sit in a church service. Plus, um, for 13 years, I tried to become a part of this community, that community, da-da-da-da-da. I never really could find a fit. And so I was discouraged. And so it got to the point between my emotional pain and my physical pain um, it's just like, well, I'm just going to do the online church thing because I was just, you know, discouraged and worn out. But I started hearing um, God's voice again. And what preceded that was during my hip surgeries, a very dear friend of mine came to um, help me with those surgeries. And I discipled her when I was in Phoenix. And just having her in my home, she reminded me of who I was. And in being reminded of who I was, you know, I was reconnecting to God again, and I started to hear his voice. And I thought, yikes, you know, I really have to get back into a community. Um, you know, hearing God's voice, it's, it can go kind of sideways if you're not re- rooted deeply into a community. Because revelation, revelation is really a team sport, just note to file. So we, um, you know, the importance of us being together... Um, but anyway, I lost that train of thought, which that, that thought will come wandering back through the back door any second now. <laughs> Poema, da, 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 learning to read your story. Okay, Lord, bring it back. Okay. Hips. Yeah, this is um, preaching as a team sport. No. <laughs> so, reminded me, oh, thank you very much. It's coming, it's coming. See how helpful that was. Best illustration. Okay, so um, I needed to go back to a church. I needed to get, you know, re-engaged in a church, not just, you know, visiting hours kind of thing. Just saying. Um, so I had a choice because um, I had attended one church uh, for a couple of years. Um, and then I had attended Gathering Place for a few months in 2009. Because, you know, hearing God's voice was such a theme in my life, and I recognized that as a theme, it was very easy to choose to, to see which church I belonged in because had I gone to the other church, it kind of was under the, um, 
you know, assembly of God's kind of um, background. So, you know, open to the Holy Spirit and everything else. Um, but I didn't really see um, just the regular people hearing God and responding to his voice where when I was in this church, I knew that there were a whole bunch of people that knew a lot about that. And so my choice was, do I want to go somewhere and pioneer? Because to be who I am, I would have to be a pioneer. Or do I want to go to a place that has people that know a lot more about that than I do? And I really didn't have, you know, the maturity level and the just development of that gift to be a pioneer. So I ended up um, here. So that's how I came here. But had I not understood my story and some of the themes that God was weaving in my story, um, that decision would have been a lot harder. Um, And probably in looking at your history and everything else, you will probably find your most significant gifts and contributions um, under pain, under disappointment. But a lot of times, just as um, humans, we don't want to look at that. And so we kind of, you know, put that over here and just look at the things that are working for us. But if you look at your life and see areas that aren't working, God is probably there. But you have to know how to ask the right questions. Um, So just a little note to file there. Um, Talking about asking the wrong questions, example from my life, the right question is really important. Um, Asking the wrong questions. When I first started hearing the voice of the Lord again, every time I would hear him, I would go into this total fear place. And as I started kind of processing it, it's like, what is that about and everything else? And I discovered that I was asking the wrong question. Every time I heard God's voice, I would ask the question, what does this mean about me? What does this mean about my destiny? What does this mean about my calling? And so, um, you know, it, that really messed me up and it took me to a fear place. But when I changed the question to what does this mean about you, um, I didn't have the fear anymore and it put it in the right place and I kind of knew what to do with it from there. So anyway, asking the right questions, knowing our story. Um, in 2012, which January 2012, which was about a month after I got here, I received a word which I believed was for this church and the word was get ready for the increase and then there was also um, a word in there about pray for marriages and the strengthening of marriages now why would there be a connection there well for one thing with marriages a healthy marriage Um, And the other part was that, you know, marriages were kind of under attack. So pray for those, you know, marriages. A healthy marriage is on earth is the most authentic expression of who God is. And a healthy marriage that has, um, you know, a family, the family unit is um, the strongest structure on the planet and so um, okay and so get ready for the increase okay so looking at 2012 to where we are here um, it's like huh (laughs) how many of you know though that when God gives a word or a promise 
a lot of times things will go backwards. Um, and, and so, you know, then you go, wow, did I hear God? And, you know, there's kind of a mini freak out with that. But it's like, no, I mean, he's getting, um, getting us ready to be able to possess that promise. Because there's a huge character development piece between a promise from God and the fulfillment of that promise. And so we have a choice when the trials come. We can either throw a tantrum um, and resist and ignore and um, just fight with God, or we can yield to the process. And again, question time, what do you want to teach me through this set of circumstances? And the more trial, testing, conflict you have that comes to your life, probably the bigger the promise is awaiting you if you can grab onto that perseverance piece. You know. So back to get ready for the increase. Here's the other part of that I just realized um, a couple days ago was I interpreted get ready for the increase to wait for the increase. Do you see kind of a difference between get ready and wait? One is passive, the other is active. And um, so it's like, okay. And I was installed into senior leadership here um, in October 2014. And so been part of the leadership team, but never quite clearly had, okay, why am I here? You know, what what is my contribution to this body? And just in the last couple months, it's kind of started to gel for me. And um, I I feel that, number one, um, my purpose here is to pray for support and be a friend to pastors John and Mark. The, the healthiest thing that we can do for a church is pray for our pastor. You know, that is a prayer that will come back to you um, a hundredfold, truly. Because as the shepherd goes, so goes the sheep. And so our prayers make a huge difference in um, the amount of revelation our pastor hears. Um, just the well-being of his family and also praying for the pastor's family is the most critical because what's the most thinking of as a father with a family (laughs) what is your most vulnerable area it's your family and so when your family is messed with that messes you up way more than having you being messed with and so I hope that as a church we can grow um, in our ability and in our um, just discipline of praying for our pastors, because that is going to do nothing but um, bless us back. So praying for and being a support to our pastors. Um, I'm kind of, um, of the senior leadership team, I'm kind of the silent partner <laughs> most of the time. So my, my place of comfort is um, being unseen and kind of hidden. Although God has a sense of humor, so it's like he likes to, you know, kind of push the quiet ones out every now and then. Um, But my role is mainly as a supporter. But the other thing that I really would like, um, that I feel called to, 
is to being, be part of getting ready for the increase. And part of getting ready for the increase is um, helping to build an environment and a culture where things can grow. And not only grow, but sustain growth. That we can sustain um, the fruit that God wants to plant here. And I've shared with you before that I have kind of an internal metal detector, gold detector. And when I get around you guys, I'm just like going like this. And there's so much um, potential gold and everything else in this room. Um, And so I want to be part of helping pull that out. But here's... Here's one of the things I feel that we need to root out of our community. And this is going to be kind of the challenge and perhaps the application point for today. We've got to totally dismantle and get rid of fear in any of its forms. And here's why. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. And so the degree that I'm walking in fear is the degree that um, I'm not able to love other people really well. And so I need to get that, get that out of there. And so my challenge is begin to pray about and ask the Lord if you have the courage. This, is, this isn't easy work. You know, it really isn't. Um, but if we want to fulfill all that God has for us, we really have to go there. So ask God... Where are the places I am walking in fear? Um, what does fear, how does fear manifest itself in my life? So those are good questions. You know, I thought about, and I might do a blog post later more about this or something. I thought about, you know, just listing that out and walking us through that. And I thought, no, you know, what's really better is if, um, you begin to discover that for yourself um, in a dialogue, in a conversation with God, because it's going to stick with you if that's something that you have heard from him. But what I hope will happen is in our community times that we can begin talking about that and having conversation around that. Um, To the degree that we root out fear is the degree that we will be able to love one another better and... Um, love outside of the church better and part of becoming a community that's irresistible to the world is being a place so full of love so full so free that this is a place that you can discover who God made you to be no matter how um, different you think you are or whatever but that you would be able to find a place because the way that I'm going to reach out and make a difference in my world isn't going to be by having all of these, you know, layers and layers and layers of masks on. Um, Where did fear first show up in the Bible? After sin. Okay, so what was the result? Um, What happened when there was fear? Shame. And hiding, um, you know, and we've been in shame and hiding ever since. Um, now we've just sort of spiritualized our shame. Um, but what would it look like if I were to take off some of the layers um, that, you know, because people can be scary, right? 
spoken from an introvert. People can be scary. But what happens when I have so received God's love and I'm rooted and grounded in that love, then what happens is I'm able to enjoy you. And so I don't need to hide from you. Um, I'm free to be myself with all of my warts and everything else. And you're free to be yourself. I have no need to control you. What would that look like? I mean, isn't that a wonderful thought of what would a friendship or a family relationship look like if there was no control? That I just let you be who you are and I'm who I am and yet we can connect um, and and as a church, you know, I don't think we know how to do that really well. So let the adventure begin. You know, let it begin. So, but here's the thing. So going back to the things in the world that are kind of scary right now. As I believe that as we become who we really, really are. God, and then we learn how to do that in community, which, frankly, we, we don't do really well. Can we just be honest about that? That we don't do community well and just throwing in, um, you know, extra layer of all of the electronics and everything else that more and more we're afraid to even have live conversations with one another. You know, I went through this little season where um, I'm going to tell people the truth. Um, you know, and God needed to do that in me. The way it was walking out wasn't so great. I trashed a few relationships on that one, but, um, just, just, um, but I thought, well, you know, confront this issue through a Facebook message. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but nobody else here has done that. So what if, what if I had a conflict with you and I dared to have a live conversation? I mean, seriously, um, that could, that could change things right there. Number one, that we even dealt with the conflict. I mean, good for me that I at least took a stab at it through Facebook, you know, rather than just burying it. So that was a step in the right direction, but didn't work well. So now let's learn how to go live with relationships. Um, So anyway, I think if we take some of the opportunities to learn how to do life with one another, real life, not just the superficial hug with the three pats on the back thing, but be willing to enter into one another's messes. Um, And, oh, this is so messy. Relationships are messy. I mean, part of, wouldn't it just be easier to, come to church, do the little religious routine and go home, you know, hi, done. But I think God is asking something deeper of us. So we have um, a few opportunities. Our connect groups are going to be starting up in the fall. Um, Take a baby step, go to a connect group. And, um, you know, that's a good first step. We have Fridays in the park. So that's a good first step. So like looking at the huge situations going on in the world around us, I believe that part of becoming part of the solution is learning how to do relationship really well. You know, start with where you are. I'm right here. You know, I don't need to look at being a missionary in Mozambique. 
um, although some of you may be called to that. Um, But this is where I am right now, today. You are the people in front of me. So you are God's opportunity to grow me. Um, And I'm God's opportunity, as well as everybody around you, is his opportunity to grow you. So look at your story. See your story in the bigger um, bigger context. I suspect, like, did you hear Chris's heart today? Do you think that there might be that God may have sovereignly prepared him to maybe have something to speak into that situation? Or he has something to speak into us to learn how we as a community um, might be able to step into that mess. But we probably aren't going to be prepared to step into the messes out there until we're willing to risk stepping into the messes right here. Okay? So my final thought is be willing to risk messiness and be willing to root out fear. And let's go um, change the world starting with right here. Amen. Uh, can we give uh, a round of applause for Jan again? That was amazing. That was amazing. Well, Jesus said that my house will be called a house of prayer, so I want to do something real quick. I want to pray for John and his family right now. Let's go ahead and lift them up. Father God, we just lift up Pastor John, Hope, and the kids. <clears throat> we pray, Lord God, for supernatural provision. We pray, Lord God, that you would protect them from the enemy on all fronts, God, that you would give John even bigger vision for his family and even bigger vision for this church. And you'd strengthen him, Lord God, in your spirit this morning. Right now, as we're lifting him up, Lord, that you'd give him greater revelation of who you are, that as he's recharging and as he's taking his little uh, vacation with his family and just uh, getting clarity, that you would multiply that in his life for his family, Lord. We, 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 wanna, we follow a good shepherd, and we follow you, Lord Jesus. So we pray, Lord, right now, even over this congregation, those, those of us that are here that need clarity and need a refocus, a recalibration, Holy Spirit, go forth right now into people's hearts. Open up. Open up the calloused heart and pour in your spirit like a flood. In Jesus' name, amen.